Welcome back, Wood Chatters. It's time for another episode. My name's Georgia. And I'm Sam. And on today's episode of Wood Chat, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the International Union of Forest Research Organisations World Congress. Bit of a mouthful there. I know, which is why we'll probably just refer to it as UFRO for the purposes of this podcast. This year, the event took place in Brazil. A diverse array of attendees, including from Forest and Wood Products Australia, heard details of evidence-based intelligence from across the globe shared by leading international researchers. They discussed the state of the world's forests, current challenges and consequences, and considered possible solutions. But enough from us. We wanted to hear from those who were actually there to find out about the experience, the key insights gained, and how this knowledge could positively impact the forest industry here in Australia. First up, we chatted to Forest and Wood Products Australia's Forest Research Manager, Jodie Mason, to hear her most interesting takeaways and how these learnings can be used to enhance her work back on home soil. So, Jody, I was wondering if you might be able just to give me a bit of a, a snapshot about what the Congress was all about. So the Congress provided an opportunity for research scientists from all over the globe to come together to talk about the latest science that can help us to better manage our natural and planted forests. Are you able to give me a snapshot of the work you're currently undertaking with growers here in Australia? Yes, I'm working with the Growers Research Advisory Committee, which represents all of our grower members. And together we've developed a suite of investment plans, which will identify the research priorities for the next five years. I I would imagine that the work that you're doing here in Australia would benefit from you having gone and undertaken an experience like this. Yes, this Congress was an opportunity to have a look at the best research globally uh, and seeing what we can learn from and how we can add to the work that we're doing here to benefit our industry. Were there any kind of key takeaways or, or, or standout insights that you felt would be interesting or useful to share? Yes, definitely. Climate change was a real standout theme. There were presentations from all over the world about the research that's being done into the impacts, the adaptation and the mitigation of climate change. So what were some of the examples then of uh, some of that work that was happening around climate change? Some examples of the work that's being done. Mm. Assisted migration of natural forest species with a lot of research focused on understanding and managing the changing species composition of the spruce and fir forests of northern Europe and how they're changing as the climate warms and dries. In terms of assisted migration, uh, there was a lot of work done understanding how those species can be moved to a more suitable climate to help maintain the resilience of those forests. Mm. In terms of 
adaptation. There's also drought tolerance of plantation species through tree breeding and soil and clone matching and trialling new species and forecasting what the climate's likely to be in the future and finding those seedlings or clones that are more suited to the future climate than the current ones might be. There was also a focus on commercial use of forest biomass for energy production. The biomass can be collected from harvesting residues. Yep and collected and processed and it can also be plantations grown specifically for the production of biomass to create energy and and the use of biomass for energy production is an opportunity to create a renewable energy to replace fossil fuels i know that when we were talking earlier you'd mentioned learnings on soil microbiome yes there's a lot that we don't know about what goes on under the soil. We focus a lot on how the trees grow above ground, but there's so much in the soil microbiome, the interaction between this between the tree roots and the the fungus and the bacteria below the ground. There's also opportunity for us to add beneficial fungus and bacteria during the nursery stages of seedling propagation so that those fungal associations and bacteria can benefit the productivity of the plantations. But we need to understand those associations better and determine you know, which of the, the many mycorrhizal, many fungal or bacterial associations are of most benefit. It's just one indication that they, we've got a lot to learn and a lot of research to do in that area to understand how we can improve our productivity and also to build resilient planted and natural forests. When it comes to communication around forest science, was there anything that stood out to you about how that's currently being managed and how it might be improved? It was evident that science needs to be having a bigger voice in policy and there were workshops on how to communicate more effectively. There's a lot of fantastic research being done, but we need to work on that gap between the science outcomes and the policy outcomes. And we'll be back with Jody for more a little later in the episode. During the Congress, Australia was well represented with locally supported research shared during a number of presentations. One such example came from Dr Angus Carnegie, Principal Research Scientist at the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries, Forestry. Angus presented work around the impact of myrtle rust in Australia and discussed invasive pests more generally. Sam gave him a call to find out more. So in terms of the specific presentation you gave at the Congress, could you give me an overview of what that was all about? Yes, so this was work that we've been doing for quite a few years now. quantifying the impact of myrtle rust in native ecosystems. We've been monitoring sites along the east coast and basically watching trees die. And so my study was yeah, just providing an overview of that work. I see. So it's not just an issue that is distinct to Australia then. So in the global context of the Congress, that would have been really useful. Yeah, so, so myrtle rust is, is a disease that's native to South America and it's been the last sort of uh, last decade and a half it's been moving quickly around the globe. So it's uh, decimated some species in Hawaii. Uh, it then is, is come to Australia. It's in New Caledonia. It's in parts of 
Southeast Asia, it's in South Africa, and more recently it's gone to New Zealand. It's a disease that attacks Myrtaceae, which is a large family, but it has our, a bunch of our iconic species such as eucalypts, paperbarks, uh, tea tree, you know, significant impact for, for Australia. And a great opportunity then through the Congress to share the findings of that work with the global audience who might also have been impacted by this pest. Yeah, look, exactly. And one of the, the other key things that we, we did at the Congress was there are different strains of myrtle rust and the one that we have in Australia and the one that's in New Zealand, a thing called the pandemic strain. But the work that we've been doing with international colleagues, some of the discussions that we had in at IUFRO was working out ways that we can detect those other strains, uh, how we can work out where they're moving around so that it gives us a bit of an early warning system before they come to Australia, but also other parts of uh, Asia-Pacific and, and South Africa. So that was a big part of that work, trying to get some international collaborative research to do this because we're all affected by it. And so what kind of feedback have you had since the presentation? So with that, uh, we've sort of started to set up a research collaborative. We're working with the US who are going to develop a test to detect the new strains. And then we're working with New Zealand, South Africa and uh, Brazil to look at uh, what the impact of the different strains are on, on Australian Mertaceae and, and New Zealand Mertaceae and try to set up a a national sentinel site program around the Asia-Pacific that can use this information as an early warning system. Ah, so the Congress provides opportunities then to collaborate on and strengthen that research approach by drawing on resources and expertise from all around the world. It really is. It's really strengthened those collaborations and, and yeah, you know, allows for that you know, strategic discussion around, you know, when you're sitting down face-to-face with all these people that are working on this on this rust, you can start to say, well, you're the expert on that. Well, how about you you do that bit? Um, we're the expert on this bit over here, so we'll do this bit. You know, so instead of one country trying to get money to do all those things where they don't have all the experts, at a at a global level, we're able to do it with um, much less money, basically, ultimately, for for individual countries, but a much better outcome because we're there are people within those other countries that have that expertise. So the other thing that I that I did was have discussions with you know experts on invasive pests uh, across you know you know ten or more different countries. And what we're looking at is setting it. We've, well, we've set up a, a working uh, working group that will will put together you know what are the forest biosecurity processes and systems in each country, uh, and then we compare those across the countries and then identify gaps where at a global level. You know, we may need governments to look into, well, there's a big hole in this area. Now, that affects that individual country, but ultimately affects Australia because that could be the gateway for things to come into to us. So the aim there is that ultimately at a global level where we're trying to plug some of the some of the gaps that invasive species use to move around. We're all sort of thinking about the same thing, but let's put all those heads in, in uh, around the same table and, and see if we can come up with some yeah, higher level options to improve um, you know, global forest biosecurity. 
Another key Australian representative we were keen to speak to was Professor Rodney Keenan from the University of Melbourne School of Ecosystem and Forest Sciences. A long-time supporter of the Congress, we sat down over a cup of coffee to get his take on the event. So, uh, Rod, your involvement with uh, the Congress dates back quite a long way. Am I right in thinking that this is your seventh year in attendance? Uh, well, seventh time. These conferences are held every five years and uh, so I went to the first one in 1990 in Montreal when I was a graduate student at the University of British Columbia. At that time I really thought this was a bit of an old boys club and uh, probably wouldn't go to another one but I ended up going to the next six after that so um, yeah I've been actively involved with UFRO congresses for a long time. How has the congress evolved or changed during the years you've been attending? Well I guess the breadth of the agenda has changed. So it was very much a European and a developed country organisation. It's expanded out much more to consider a broader range of research issues and embrace a wider range of participants from right around the world now. You know, through the the evolution of the Congress, but particularly in Brazil, it was quite uh, marked that there was a much larger number of females, both in the keynote speakers right through the program, and a lot of young people actively involved in forest research um, from different countries. And obviously there was a heavy representation from Latin America, and it was great to see this uh, really enthusiastic group of young researchers um, from that part of the world. It's the first time it's been held in Latin America. And I guess Brazil, you know, one of the largest forest cover countries in the world, people don't quite realise, but Brazil is about the same size as Australia in land mass. And uh, whereas in Australia, about 20% of our land cover is trees and forests. In Brazil, it's the opposite. About 80% of their land cover is uh, is trees and forests. So it's a very much a forest cover country, uh, uh, a significant timber industry based Mm. on plantations and and large efforts with forest restoration. Were there any running themes throughout the Congress that stood out to you? Climate change, obviously, was a a major factor and concerns that the the fires in the Amazon that had been given a lot of attention in the media in the few months previously and concerns about uh, deforestation emissions increasing in Brazil. But overall, the, the implications of climate change for forests and how forests could contribute to climate change emission reduction objectives were, was a big theme in the conference. Sort of aligned with that, the forest landscape restoration was a, a key topic in many of the discussions. You know, uh, we've seen a lot of deforestation and degradation of forests. How can we restore forests and provide sort of multiple uses and benefits? conserving some forest areas, actively restoring natural forest in other locations, having more production and plantation forests in others, and then integrating trees with agricultural land uses in order to improve the functions of those land uses. Were there some key learnings and and takeaways then from hearing the insights around those issues that you've been able to, to bring back and that you feel that they could be applied here in an Australian setting? Well, I think that uh, how we achieve that integration approach is, uh, is very important. If we want to produce more wood in Australia and expand the plantation area, which is an objective for the sector, that's going to have to be done in quite a different way than we've previously done it. 
where I think we need to go is more of this integrated model where we're integrating trees into the landscape where trees and timber production are seen as a complementary activity to agriculture, not a replacement activity. So I think we can bring some of those learnings from forest landscape restoration models into that approach and thinking here in Australia. The other focuses we saw in the conference was this need for sustainable intensification. So we're likely to have a more relatively limited land area available to produce timber into the future. So how we actually can produce more of that land base to meet the needs of a, a growing population and a wealthier population, but increase that production in a sustainable way so that we're maintaining the productive capacity of the, the soils and the landscape. And now back to Jody. And so what else was on the agenda for while you were in Brazil? Did you manage to get out and about and see much of the industry? Yes. While I was in Brazil at the Congress, I took the opportunity to visit some of the leading industrial plantation growers and some of the research houses that are in Brazil servicing the industry and having a look at what their practices are and what their research is. They're really strongly focused on research that uh, supports their productivity. They're focused on ways to mechanise their operations because because of increasing labour costs and health and safety concerns of having people out in the field, which yeah. is common to common to Australia's issues. Yeah, and access issues as well, I would imagine. Like there's quite probably quite a lot of remote difficult to get to. Yes. Yeah. Australia's got the same issues in terms of health and safety. Mm. Another thing about the Brazilian plantations is is just the huge scale that they're planted on and that helps them to to invest in mechanisation of uh, really high-cost machinery because of the, just the huge number of hectares that they're re-establishing each year. Now that you're back in Australia, are there plans to use your learnings from the Congress in some of the work you'll be doing over the coming weeks, months, years? Yes, being aware of some of this work that's being done already, we will be able to build on particularly the climate change work. Also, adding to our investment plan program, potentially some some work around the soil micro, microbiome. While you were there, did you get a sense from talking to other delegates from around the world about how Australian research is regarded? In my discussions with other researchers, It was evident that our Australian researchers are really well-known and networked and their work is world-class. The areas of uh, operations and supply chain and forest pest management are two areas in particular where I, I encountered some really positive feedback about our researchers. Some really fascinating insights from the Australian contingent of delegates and presenters. With the current state of play today regarding climate and resource concerns, it's impressive and encouraging to see the global forest research community coming together in this way. This commitment to knowledge sharing and working together can only mean a brighter future for the forest industry and the environment. Yeah, let's hope so. We've run out of time for this edition, but please make sure you join us again next time for more of your regular dose of Woodchat. Chat.